Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Rapid Fire. Now, a lot has happened this past weekend. Joe Biden went and met the Pope in Rome. He also attended, or should I say, fell asleep at the UN's climate summit. On top of that, Donald Trump attended Game 4 of the World Series, and the reaction to this former president is nothing like we've seen in regards to our current president. We also have Kyle Rittenhouse's trial starting. We have a shocking new NBC poll that has debuted regarding how Americans feel about, you know, where America is headed. And finally, we have a lot of COVID news and updates for you. And we'll also be getting to the race for governor in Virginia. Tomorrow is election day. A lot of news on that front. But before we get into that, please remember that we have a new partner, OrganicDarlings.com. Now, if you guys go to OrganicDarlings.com, you guys can go and get a lot of amazing products like this organic shampoo or this toothpaste. Now, I love this website because all of the products on there are American-made and they are thoroughly vetted by the owner. Her name's Emily. She's amazing. And uh, she basically talked to me about how many chemicals and toxins are in all of the products that we consume from our hand soaps to our shampoo, toothpaste, deodorant, take your pick, parabens, phthalates, all of these toxic chemicals that should not be put into our body or on our body. And I don't have time a lot to, you know, to go to Walmart, Target, have to sit, sift through all these different products and figure out what's actually healthy for me, which is why I go to organicdarlings.com and go check out their products there and use their products because I know that they're actually good for me. So go check out organicdarlings.com and use code DARLINGSAV to let Emily know that I sent you. Again, that's organicdarlings.com and that is code DARLINGSAV, D-A-R-L-I-N-G-S-A-V. So go check that out because come on guys, we need to be putting our health number one, especially at the time in history that we are currently all living through. Now let's go ahead and jump into the tale of two presidents, if you will. I don't even like comparing Donald Trump to Joe Biden because I feel like it's unfair at this point. And we saw this, this new poll come out from NBC Chuck Todd debuted it. He said it was shocking. It shows 71% believe the U.S. is on the wrong track. That's scary news for Democrats. Americans have lost their confidence in President Joe Biden and their optimism for the country. That, according to Chuck Todd, is the top takeaway from a just-released NBC News poll out Sunday. Breaking down the numbers on Meet the Press, Todd pointed to data from the survey that he deemed shocking, with just 22% of adults saying that the U.S. is headed in the right direction and a shocking 71% say we're on the right we're on the wrong track sorry not the right track 71% of people do not feel we're on the right track at all they feel we're on the wrong track entirely and i think we've seen that in regards to how the average american approaches joe biden reacts to joe biden this past weekend he went and met with the pope regarding in hashtag did biden crap his pants trending and poopy pants Biden trending. So that's our president. He also fell asleep at the UN climate summit today. We will be getting into that. But Donald Trump, he went to uh, World Series game four against the Astros and the Braves this past weekend. And this was the response. Let's go, Brandon, with Trump laughing. So that is the difference between Joe Biden and Americans' response to him versus Donald Trump. Like I said, I don't even think that it's a fair comparison to make because Donald Trump was definitely 
a man of the people. Americans really loved him. A lot of Americans loved to hate him. The media even loved to hate him. They were constantly putting him in the headlines, whereas now all the media can do is try to cover up for Joe Biden, which is why we are seeing articles like this one from NPR, who says no one is really cheering on a guy named Brandon. Instead, the phrase is being used in conservative circles in place of a more vulgar message directed at President Biden. So congratulations to NPR for being about a month late on this trend because this has been going on for a while now, ever since that, um, I believe it was a like Fox Sports reporter or an NBC reporter basically tried to say, oh, the crowd is chanting, let's go, Brandon, when they were really saying F Joe Biden. Yeah, this has been going on for a long time. My good friend Bryson Gray, his song is number one on the charts. He's been charting on Billboard. His song titled Let's Go, Brandon, all last week. The top five songs in the country were Let's Go, Brandon. So this isn't just a trend that kind of popped up yesterday. Uh, but in, in NPR's world, apparently it did. And luckily for us, we have them to tell us that no one's really cheering on a guy named Brandon. It's just really vulgar. And it's about uh, poor President Joe Biden. So uh, that's what's really going on in this country, guys. I'm glad that the media finally caught up on that. But uh, that's what Trump did this past weekend. Now, let's go ahead and check in on what Joe Biden did, starting off with his meeting of the Pope in Rome. This was the initial reaction. Thank you for that. It was a famous... African-American baseball player in America. Okay, so he goes up to the Pope and goes, you're the most famous African-American baseball player in America. Like, I'm sorry, I didn't know that uh, Joe Biden was meeting with Jackie Robinson. May he rest in peace. Um, what? So that was Joe Biden's meeting with the Pope. So those were some of the clips that were coming out. And then rumors started circulating that their meeting actually got cut short. Now, this was trending on Saturday, and this initially came out. The word around Rome is that Biden's meeting with the Pope was unusually long because Biden had a bit of a bathroom accident at the Vatican, and it had to be addressed prior to him leaving. I know we joke about this often, but this is the actual rumor going around Rome right now. So this was kind of insane. Um... This past weekend, there was a lot of basically Joe Biden pooped his pants trends on Twitter going around. A lot of memes were made. And of course, the media has since come out and debunked this and said it has not been confirmed that Joe Biden pooped his pants in the Vatican when meeting with the Pope. But regardless of that, the fact that this was a legitimate rumor going around Rome during Joe Biden's visit with the Pope is substantial to say the least. We have all talked about how we feel Joe Biden has dementia. He can't speak coherently. He shouldn't be a leader in office because he doesn't know what the hell is going on. Half of the time that he's speaking, he can't even clearly read off his note cards. And still to this day at the UN Climate Summit right now, he's taking note cards and calling on specific reporters that probably have predetermined questions that he knows how to already answer because he's deteriorating right before our very eyes. So when we see this rumor spreading about Joe Biden's trip to the Vatican being unusually long, and then all of this... A trend happening where people are speculating that Joe Biden shot himself. It's just, it's embarrassing to say the least. It really is. And it's funny to me because, you know, liberals liked to say, oh, Donald Trump made a mockery of the U.S. It was so embarrassing having him as president. 
Look at what is currently happening less than one year into Joe Biden's presidency. Legitimate rumors that he is incontinent. Uh, he's falling asleep at the UN Action Summit, Climate Action Summit. And, you know, a funny thing about that, too, uh, this was this came out today uh, for Caitlin Collins. President Biden has arrived in Glasgow for two days of climate talks at the COP26 summit. Aides say he'll make a personal commitment to confronting climate change in his speech this morning. So personal commitment to confronting climate change. Now, we know that typically when these elitists come, all of these world leaders come to this climate summit, they're usually bringing their private jets. They're usually bringing, oh, like Joe Biden did for the New York Post, um, an 85-car motorcade. So this was in Rome prior to this climate summit. Joe Biden toured Rome with an 85-car motorcade ahead of that climate summit. So good on Joe Biden for really, you know, standing up for the climate, showing us how much he cares about the environment. And we see this from people like John Kerry all the time, too, who says, oh, I care about the climate so much. We have to save everything. Everyone needs to reduce their consumption, please. Uh, The middle Americans need to live in a pod, not consume meat anymore. Uh, Stop using their cars. Just get a bike, walk everywhere, be dependent on the government, eat soy products and live in a teeny tiny apartment to, uh, you know, reduce your consumption. Now, did I fly on my private jet to 26 other countries to make this exact speech? Yes. But my carbon emissions, they don't matter because I'm better than you. Okay. So there's Joe Biden in his 85 car motorcade ahead of the UN climate conference. And again, this is Joe Biden today at said conference. We all know he fell asleep, but let's listen to MSNBC's reporting on this because we all know that MSNBC, NBC, CNN, these have all been the champions of Joe Biden. They really helped him along that campaign trail when he was campaigning for president. They propped him up as a man of the people, someone who was competent, who could really lead America. This is MSNBC's reporting of Joe Biden today. This is the fifth day of the president's overseas tour, and he was uh, seen on camera with his eyes closed. It appears that perhaps he was dozing. And in these settings, uh, cameras are all around. And the camera caught uh, President Biden, who turned 79 later this month, uh, with his eyes closed for a period of time. And you're right. These can be embarrassing situations. You have the contrast of leaders, including President Biden, calling for the urgency of these issues, of addressing climate. And uh, a moment like that in a session uh, can be uh, a political uh, obstacle for a moment. So there you guys go. MSNBC saying that Joe Biden is embarrassing because he's falling asleep at this climate summit, supposed to be such an important thing, another thing that we should all be so, so fearful of, all of us disappearing in a cloud of blue smoke in 10 years, or, you know, California just sinking into the ocean because of climate change. And a new map of the U.S. actually came out where essentially the ocean was just inside of America at that point because climate change just overtook everything, killed everybody. Honestly, I mean, with the amount of fear-mongering around climate change that has been going on for the past uh, couple of decades, I'm surprised we haven't all died yet and disappeared in a cloud of blue smoke. Uh, But here we are, still having to deal with the UN's climate summits every single year. Yeah, it's about that time of year when the elites all come together and, uh, again, tell us all how we need to reduce. Meanwhile, they are not going to adhere to any of those standards. 
The UN really loves to do this. They really love to point the finger and attack somebody else. Over this past weekend, Elon Musk happened to be one of those people. CNN Business came out with this headline, 2% of Elon Musk's wealth could solve world hunger, says director of UN Food Scarcity Organization, to which Elon Musk responded and said, if WFP can describe on this Twitter thread exactly how 6 billion will solve world hunger, I will still test the stock right now and do it. And uh, WFP stands for the UN World Food Program. And uh, apparently their, their chief, their executive director, responded to Elon and said, headline not accurate, 6 billion will not solve world hunger, but it will prevent geopolitical instability, mass migration, and save 42 million people on the brink of starvation, an unprecedented crisis and a perfect storm due to COVID conflict and climate crises. Okay, David Beasley, um, executive director for the World food program of the UN. Let's debunk your tweet really quickly here. So mass migration, that's happening because of the government. Geopolitical instability, because of the government. 42 people on the brink of starvation. Yeah, the government. The government prints trillions of dollars and has printed trillions of dollars just within the past couple of years. And you're telling me that all they needed to do this entire time was print 6 billion and world hunger could have been solved? Yeah, I don't think so. This is what these organizations do. They point the finger at everybody else. They try to make you hate the top 1%. They try to make you hate anybody who is successful in society because they don't want anybody to be successful in society. They want everyone to be dependent on their programs and they want everybody living in a pod in a virtual reality space where we are not consuming anything and then these elites get to enjoy the world. So David Beasley says that to Elon Musk and Elon Musk goes, what happened here? And just leaves this little link. And what is in this link? It's a story from Express News and the headline reads, starving children as young as nine forced to give UN officials oral sex to get food. Now, this is from back in December of 2015. Children as young as nine traded oral sex for food from UN peacekeepers in war zones, while officials looked the other way, a shocking new report has claimed. Memos about the sexual abuse in the Central African Republic were passed from desk to desk, inbox to inbox across multiple UN offices, with no one willing to take responsibility. It added the welfare of the victims and the accountability of the perpetrators appeared to be an afterthought if considered at all. The investigation revealed that French peacekeepers from the UN's children agency UNICEF failed to act on reports of sexual abuse in early 2014 in the midst of civil war. And again, this is not the first time that we've heard of sexual abuse or pedophilia in regards to the UN. This is a story that has happened many a time previously. And Elon Musk said, okay, you want to attack me for being successful in society? Well, oh, UN, let me just go ahead and pull up some of your deep, dark secrets here and uh, show you guys what's up. Because again, the UN in itself is not, they're not good. They're not good. They're trying to usher in world governance. I was reading um, Agenda 2030. I believe that's either the UN or the World Economic Forum. And again, they really push this utopian like world where we're all going to be happy and the government's going to take care of us. All we need is one world governance and then everything will be good. It's essentially communism. That's exactly what Agenda 2030 sounds like. And it's their their plan to get everybody on an equal playing 
filled and then basically rule over all of us. So that's what happened this past weekend in regards to Joe Biden and um, all of these climate summits. I'm sure we're going to be hearing many dastardly stories about how we're all going to be dying because climate change is essentially the the worst thing that could ever happen in you know the face of the earth and uh we only have a couple years left guys so uh you know kiss your loved ones goodbye because we're all gonna die probably per the UN, per the World Economic Forum, per any of these scientists who have been pushing COVID on us very, very hard. Remember how for the past two years, we didn't really hear about climate change. And then now that the fear around COVID is starting to wane, it's like, oh my gosh, the climate crisis, it's happening, people. It's it's happening. Everyone, please relax. Like if you're not scared about COVID anymore, well, you should still want to lock down and stay inside and adhere to all of these guidelines and standards that we've implemented with COVID because they will ultimately help us with climate change too. See how that works out? Do you see how this was all kind of conditioning for our future? And we've already seen the articles come out as well. Oh, uh, lockdowns were actually a really great thing for the climate. Maybe we should be implementing them as a yearly or an every four years type of thing. So that's going to be a fun future for everyone. Now, what's going on in Virginia? Let's bring it back home to America and check out what's happening because tomorrow is election day for the Virginia governor. It is Terry McAuliffe versus Glenn Youngkin. And the Democrats seem very, very afraid of the outcome of this and to see what is going to end up happening. I was reading that basically... If Republicans win over Virginia, which is a very, very blue state, it will basically signal uh, their wins ahead of 2022 and how Republicans will do in regards to taking back the House. So we will see what happens with all of that. But in regards to McAuliffe and Youngkin and, and how they're they're both doing, uh, this was McAuliffe today, who, again, this is a uh, former governor who is touting that parents have no right to what their children are being taught or what curriculum they're being taught. Uh, this is what he had to, d- to say today about white teachers in Virginia. And I promise you, we've got to diversify our teacher base here in Virginia. 50 percent of the students at Virginia schools, K-12, 50 percent are students of color and yet 80% of the teachers are white. We all know what we have to do in a school to make everybody feel comfortable in school. So let's diversify. So here's what I'm going to do. We'll be the first state in America. If you'll teach for five years here in Virginia in a high-demand area, let it be geographic or coursework, we will pay room, board, and tuition at any college, any university, any HBCU here in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Okay, so um, Terry McAuliffe is a huge racist. Big surprise there. Racist Democrat. Wow, that's a new one, especially in Virginia. Yeah, who's their current governor? Ralph Northam, who was either dressed in blackface or as a KKK member. Still unconfirmed. One or the other, though. But Democrats are really freaked out right now in regards to what's going to happen with the Virginia election. And they brought in so many different types of people like Kamala Harris, Joe Biden. They brought in the works. They try to do everything they can to try to rally the people and gain a lot of, you know, um, excitement around the Democrats that are campaign, campaigning there, or Terry McAuliffe. Uh, this was Kamala Harris trying to fire up the crowd the other day. I tell everybody you know to vote tomorrow. Nothing like saying, you want to meet me tomorrow? What you, what you doing tomorrow? 
You got any plans tomorrow? Tomorrow's a good day. It's going to be a good day. But the point is, So there you go. Kamala Harris is trying to fire up the crowd and she couldn't even get them to go woo or like do like a a, a pretend cheer because that's how unlikable Kamala Harris is. And that's how much energy is behind the Democrat Party in Virginia. I was reading this article. I don't have it up right now that basically a lot of the mayoral candidates, especially specifically Democrat ones, you know, ahead of a lot of these elections ahead of 2022, a lot of candidates that are getting back into office are like, well, uh, we're actually going to campaign for safety because we defunded the police and now everything is basically a shit show. And uh, people don't seem to like that. So in order to save our own asses, yeah, we're going to start campaigning again uh, for for safe streets in a safe city. Really funny how the pendulum always swings back, isn't it? But again, going back to how Democrats are scared, they literally staged a neo-Nazi event in front of Glenn Youngkin's campaign stop in Charlottesville. And this was absolutely crazy. And the initial pictures had, had come out. I'm going to show you guys on screen. So you have a group of five people here and they're all dressed up as neo-Nazis from Charlottesville. They're holding their Dollar General tiki torches. You got this black guy, you know, second left, who's like, why the hell am I here? This was not worth it. I take it all back. I need to rethink my life. Maybe I should have gone and stayed in college. I don't know. Or maybe I should have worked harder in life so I wouldn't have to pretend to be a neo-Nazi right now, uh, you know, to, to try to smear Glenn Youngkin. This is probably the worst thing I've ever done in my life. I don't know. That's just what his face looks like. I don't know what he's actually thinking. But uh, from the post-millennial, Tiki Torch photo in front of Youngkin tour bus revealed to be a Democrat stunt. Photos have surfaced on social media depicting white supremacists at a Glenn Youngkin campaign stop in Charlottesville, Virginia, which were revealed to be members of the Virginia Democrats. Very interesting. Photos have surfaced on social media depicting white supremacists at a Glenn Youngkin campaign stop in Charlottesville, Virginia, which again were revealed to be members of the Virginia Democrats. A group of people were photographed outside the Republican gubernatorial candidate's bus dressed in khakis, white button-up shirts, baseball caps, and holding tiki torches, which are prominently seen during the tragic events that unfolded during a white supremacist rally in the city in 2017. So this picture is taken, it starts going viral, and of course, all of these left-wing reporters are like, these men are Glenn Youngkin's bus as it pulled up and they said we're all in for Glenn and here they are standing in front of the bus and of course we had people like Eric Swalwell retweeting it saying birds of a feather this is typical of these Republicans it's absolutely disgusting but then as the picture started to go viral people started to point out who these individuals were well it came out that uh, the financial director for young Virginia Democrats went private after being exposed for posing as one of these said white supremacists. And if we read this bio here, it says uh, public education enthusiasts, Virginia Democrats at GMU, consultant finance director at uh, Virginia Democrats. And then he has his pronouns in his bio that say he, him, just as a reminder that he's inclusive, um, even when he's pretending to be a white supremacist. So good for this guy over here. He's got that nice soy boy smile. And it was so funny, too, because a lot of these people, once this photo started going viral, started putting their accounts private or just straight up deleting things on social media. And uh, there's that black, white supremacist, too. Look at his happy little little face there. He's having a grand old time pretending to be a neo-Nazi to smear Glenn Youngkin. 
His bio reads, unemployed Beyonce enthusiast, drag race fanatic, past Joe Biden, HFA, Virginia Democrats, and Gretchen Whitmer. Very interesting there. So that is how afraid that the Democrats are that Glenn Youngkin, who had a rally tonight, there was a lot of energy behind him. That's how afraid they are that a Republican is going to come in and become governor of Virginia. And we're already seeing similarities to this election that we saw in the 2020 election. From national file, Virginia Democrats cited 300,000-plus mail-in ballot delay days before election officials. Media said results may not be known on election day. Oh, my gosh, guys. It's so weird how usually and historically we are able to understand and know what the elections results are on election day. But now we see this new thing where it's like, well, don't expect to know the results of the election on election day because, uh, yeah, we honestly might not know. And there may be 300,000 million ballot delays. So we're we're really not going to know the day of the election. Virginia Democrats had filed a lawsuit against USPS complaining about a delay of 300,000 million votes just days before election officials and mainstream media outlets began priming the public for a scenario in which the results of the gubernatorial election may not be decided on election day due to mail-in ballots. The Elias Law Group, a firm recently hired by the Terry McAuliffe campaign headed by Clinton allied attorney Mark Elias, filed a lawsuit on behalf of the Democrat Party of Virginia on Friday, October 22nd against the United States Postal Service, citing a delay of over 300,000 mail-in ballots in the gubernatorial race. So you think that after 2020 and everything we saw with that, we wouldn't be seeing things like this happen again. But no, and for the Virginia race for governor, one that, again, Democrats are very worried about. CNN has been writing that this is a very heated race. It's going head to head. There's a lot of energy behind Glenn Youngkin. We have the Democrats out here staging neo-Nazi events because that's how concerned they are that this man is going to get in as governor. On top of that, we are now seeing the media reports that just like in 2020, well, we might not know those election results on election day. There we go. What else is going on in our grand old country? You know, I uh, drink some coffee at 5 p.m. yesterday, and I'm very caffeine sensitive. And drinking coffee that late led to me staying up until 5 a.m. And I utilized that time to research the ATF's involvement with the Waco siege and Ruby Ridge and how the government time and time again has really gone in and just shot innocent people up or, uh, you know, kid evidence in regards to what actually happened during these times. And the reason I went down that rabbit trail was because Kyle Rittenhouse's trial has started today. And I have multiple friends who were there, eyewitnesses to this entire event that day. When it was happening, I was scrolling through Twitter. I was talking to people. I was doing as much research as possible to understand every single angle of what happened that day. And to be honest, it seems like an open and closed case. Open and shut case? I don't know how to phrase that correctly. The point is, he acted in self-defense, and I've read through all of these felony charges that they're trying to bring to Kyle Rittenhouse. And in every single piece of evidence, in video evidence specifically, 
You can see Kyle Rittenhouse trying to avoid conflict, trying to avoid violence, trying to run away from perpetrators who are attacking him. And in every single situation, because again, multiple video angles of this, you can see that he was not the one that initiated a lot of this violence. So what is Twitter going to do ahead of his trial? Well, ahead of the Rittenhouse trial starting today, people are being suspended on Twitter for sharing pictures showing Kyle acted in self-defense. Instagram and Facebook have also made sharing pictures of Rittenhouse a violation of terms and services. This is from Elijah Schaefer, and he gets this message from a random Twitter account that says, I was locked out of my account for 12 hours because someone flagged my tweet that showed multiple pictures of the guy who lost a bicep to Kyle Rittenhouse in self-defense holding a pistol. I am a no one with no near support. So if I lose my account, it's gone forever. According to Twitter, my reply to the post was inciting violence. And again, he basically just showed the picture that Kyle Rittenhouse, when he shot this man's bicep, was acting in self-defense because this guy had a pistol. But that's all being censored now. You're not allowed to talk about any of that. Now, let's go ahead and take a peek at what's been going on with the jury. It has since been decided. Um, but uh, throughout today, as they were being um, chosen... Per Jack Posobiec, one potential juror said she would find Kyle Rittenhouse guilty on all counts because he used an AR-15 and that type of weapon should be banned. So that's the judicial system here in America. Not really the judicial system, but that's what the average American thinks. And uh, hopefully, I doubt this woman was chosen or, yeah, this woman was chosen to be on the jury, but... Um, this is the average mindset of your average American. Jack Posobiec, again, a potential Kai Rittenhouse juror, said she was so worried about the case, she didn't drive her own car to the courthouse so people wouldn't be able to see it. Now, some people were laughing at this as ridiculous, and to be quite honest with you, I've reached a different standpoint where it's like, look what happened with the Derek Chauvin trial. BLM threatened to burn down our entire nation again if he was not convicted on the felony charges that they wanted him to be, if he wasn't convicted and thrown in jail. BLM was going to burn everything down. They were going to riot. They were going to have a field day. America was going to suffer. And many in the jury said that they felt threatened and that they were scared. And that's our judicial system nowadays, where it's not really about justice anymore. It's about mob rule. It's about what the mob wants to be done. And it will be very interesting to see if Kyle actually gets justice served or if he just gets charged with all of these, these felony charges that are ridiculous because he acted in self-defense that's a very, very clear. But again, on Twitter, we're already seeing them suppressing the evidence, suppressing the video, suppressing what happened that day, just like they're doing with January 6th as well. You know, we were constantly saying like, oh, these Trump supporters were insurrectionists, terrorists, blah, blah, blah. And then what happens? You put the footage up on Instagram. This happened to me. I put the footage up from that day on Instagram of the people at the Capitol chanting and being peaceful, uh, helping a police officer because he was in a mob. And then, you know, uh, big American men made sure that he got out of that mob safely. Those clips were deleted for inciting violence. But every single clip that I that I had of January 6th, in which there was actual violent people getting punched in the face, tear gassed, railings being thrown, those are all still up. So... Just another example of how big tech is allowed to skew the narrative and it is allowed to show the public a certain opinion. And then that public goes crazy and mob rule takes over when the verdict that they think should have been reached because they were only shown partial evidence. When that verdict 
isn't reached, then they go and they burn down the nation. And that's how our justice system works now. So it is fair that a lot of these jurors are terrified for their lives because if they are tied to having acquitted uh, Kyle Rittenhouse and saying that he's innocent, what's going to happen? The media is going to hunt those people down. The average American, not the law-abiding ones, but your average BLM member is going to go hunt those people down and try to ruin their lives forever because that is the justice system in America in 2021. And speaking of justice, one person who I don't think will ever see justice be enacted upon is Dr. Fauci. This man has lied. He has destroyed our country. He has been the pinnacle of evil for the past two years. And he has gotten away with all of it. And we're still living through this COVID nonsense. I went to go get my eyes checked today because my eyes have been in pain for the past month. They've been blurry because of my glasses. I ran out of contacts. I went to an eye doctor. They told me to put a face mask on. I left. I went to another eye doctor today. They forced me to put the mask on. And so I was like, you know what? I need my contacts. Put the mask on. Fine. And I did. But then putting the mask on made me feel horrendous about myself because I realized that in that moment, I gave up my freedom for simplicity for a simple life. And I realized that this is the new normal for a lot of Americans. You have to choose whether you want to have autonomy over your body or be ostracized from society and be turned away for medical procedures because you may have gotten COVID and you got over it and now you have the antibodies. Maybe you've even been vaccinated, but you still have to wear the face mask. It's absolutely ridiculous, the society that we're living in. And I don't want to live in this society anymore. And I'm so tired of having to live alongside these absolutely batshit crazy people who think that it's okay to still wear a face mask after getting their third or fourth booster shot. One of those insane people is Kamala Harris, who just got a third vaccination while fully masked. Watch this video. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, just relax your arm next to your body for me. Yeah, roll up a little bit harder for me now. Right. So for my podcast listeners, this is Kamala Harris, basically for a photo op, getting her booster shot while fully masked up. This isn't her first shot. It's not her second shot. It's apparently, allegedly, her third shot, her booster. And you can't even see the expression on her face that she's trying to smile, but she's wearing this face mask. She looks absolutely ridiculous. um... And this is the people who are leading our country. This is not based in science. It's so stupid. And I'm tired of living in an America with these insane, psychopathic people who don't actually believe in science. I'm done with it. And in the fact that I live in Texas and I still have businesses that are telling me to put a face mask on is absolutely ridiculous. And I'm tired of it. And I want Greg Abbott out as Texas governor because he has not taken a hardline stance enough in regards to COVID-19, in regards to our border security. I want him out. He is not a strong leader. And I've watched him over the past couple of years. And I feel like even in regards to his response to COVID, he would wait for Ron DeSantis to make a move. And then he'd be like, okay, yeah, look, Texas is going to do that too. Like, look what he's doing with the cargo ships right now. Ron DeSantis last week said, hey, cargo ships that are held up at the LA ports, come on over to Florida. We'll take care of you. What is Greg Abbott now doing this week? Following suit from Ron DeSantis. Why? Because he is a follower. He is not a leader. And that is just one of many examples. But anyway, 
These people are absolutely insane. They're crazy. They're still wearing face masks, even after getting a third shot. And we even have articles coming out from the Washington Post saying you'll never be fully vaccinated. So when does this end? It ends when the American people decide that it ends. But th these people are unfortunately the ones that are in power right now and the ones who are leading America through the most deadly pandemic we've ever seen. It's absolutely ridiculous. And now we've gotten to the point where the FDA uh, voted to approve vaccines for children age five to 11. How do we know? if these vaccines will affect our kids, though, how will we know the effect that they have on our children? Well, an FDA panelist uh, gave his response here. But we're never going to learn about how safe the vaccine is unless we start giving it. You know, that's just the way it goes. Okay, can we just listen to that one more time so we're all aware of the research behind the vaccination that's about to be injected into five to 11 year olds, FDA panelist named Dr. Rubin, one more time. But we're never going to learn about how safe the vaccine is unless we start giving it. You know, that's just the way it goes. So that's just the way it goes. We're never going to know how safe this vaccine is for children until we start giving it. Are you kidding me? No, they're not kidding me, which is why we see tweets like this one from Dr. Shane Huntington OAM sitting in the RCH Melbourne hospital with my son hooked up to heart monitors post his second Pfizer shot. I have a message for all parents. Get your kids vaccinated if you can. These side effects are rare and manageable. Help protect us all. Hashtag COVID vaccine. And have this guy who's wearing a face mask. He looks very solemn as his son's hooked up to heart monitors after his second shot of the Pfizer vaccination. But let me bring up this quick headline from a couple of months back from NPR. Heart inflammation in teens and young adults after COVID-19 vaccine is rare, CDC says, but the CDC is still saying it. The CDC says 323 cases of heart inflammation have been verified in people who received the Pfizer or Moderna COVID-19 vaccine. The cases of myocarditis and pericarditis have been seen mostly in teens and young adults between 12 and 39 years old, mostly after the second vaccine dose. So this father has his kid hooked up to a heart monitor because he has heart problems after the second dose of the Pfizer vaccine, which I literally just read that headline to you from NPR that says, yeah, the second dose usually is the one that'll knock your kid out and send them to the hospital with myocarditis or pericarditis. And this father saying, get your kids vaccinated because COVID did this to my kid. These people are absolutely insane. And it keeps getting worse. From the Daily Mail, Americans who received the one dose Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 vaccine were 3.5 times as likely to develop rare blood clots compared to the general population. Recipients of the J&J &J COVID vaccine are 3.5 times as likely to develop a rare, deadly blood clotting condition than the general population. Researchers found that 8.5 J&J recipients developed the clots for every 100,000 persons, compared to only 2.5 out of the general population. Researchers found that women between the age of 30 and 64 were most at risk of developing the clotting, and authorization of the vaccine was paused for 10 days during April due to concerns of the blood clotting developing in in women. Cerebral venous sinus thrombosis or CVST is a dangerous condition that can cause a person to suffer a stroke or even die. But remember, the government says that this vaccination is safe and effective. And I've also been banned off of YouTube twice now because I have had the audacity to read these headlines to you guys. That's the America that we're living in right now. But this FDA panelist says, oh, well, we'll never know how safe it is until we start giving it to your child. Another thing coming out from the media, which has been very interesting to see, 
Headlines like this one, the little-known heart attack that's striking fit and healthy women as young as 22. Doctor's reminder, now nobody is too young for a heart attack. Come on, guys. Heart attacks, are they're super new. They're super in season. And yes, we've never really seen heart attacks in young adults before or, you know, people in their early 20s. But you know, we can't really put a finger on the missing variable um, or the variable that we have now that may have been missing from a couple years back when 22 year olds didn't get random heart attacks and inflammation. I don't know. It's weird. It's just so safe and effective for you guys. It's so safe and effective. And luckily for us, we've had CDC director Rochelle Walensky, who has guided us through this pandemic alongside Dr. Fauci to make sure that we are truly informed on how to adhere to guidelines, adhere to standards, and most importantly, adhere to silence, science, not silence. Actually, they'd love to have us adhere to silence as well. If we never spoke and we just sat down, shut up, and took our vaccinations, that would be ideal for the CDC. Now, let's do a quick throwback here. This article is from April of this year. Again, per CDC Director Rochelle Walensky, it's official, vaccinated people don't transmit COVID-19. And if we just go ahead and fast forward to October 28, 2021, Bloomberg, vaccinated people are just as likely as unvaccinated people to spread the Delta variant to contact to contacts in their households a year long study found. Oh, wow. That's crazy. We were told that vaccinated people couldn't spread COVID, that they could take off their face masks, that once they got their double vaccination, they'd be good to go. But now we're being told that they still have to mask up, that um, heart inflammation might be a side effect, that they may need a third or a fourth or maybe even a fifth booster. And also you can still spread COVID when you're vaccinated. Uh, Per this headline from the New York Post, John Bon Jovi tests positive for COVID and cancels his concert in Miami Beach. And they left out fully vaccinated from that headline. You know who else is fully vaccinated and makes sure to wear her mask, but just got COVID diagnosed with it? Yeah, Jen Psaki, our good um, misinformation press secretary. It's just so weird how that narrative just spun out of control the way that it did, how that vaccine efficacy went from 99% effective to 98 to 97 to 90 to 80 to 70 to 60 to 50 to, yeah, just maybe get a fourth booster and double mask forever just to be safe. And uh, we don't know how it's going to affect your kid age five to 11, but um, just give it to them and then we'll find out. Some parents have been keeping their children inside throughout the duration of the entire pandemic because they are that psychopathic that they're abusing their children psychologically and have refused to let them leave the house. Watch this video. This is my daughter. Hi. She's nine. We're about to blind react to something. Okay. What does that say? That va- the COVID vaccine for kids is so next week should be clear for kids through five to eleven. What does that mean for you? I can go with my friends. Yeah. I can finally you know go outside, go to stores. And- so this is an absolutely heartbreaking video because apparently this woman has not let her child outside or go to stores or do anything since this pandemic started. And that is straight up child abuse. And I'm 
baffled that her mom is even going to let her out of the house, especially when we're seeing headlines like this one from the Washington Post. You're not fully vaccinated and you never will be. A lot of people like to say that this is a cult and it 1000% is. The mask is the symbol of their dedication to the cult. Their bodies are their the, the sacrifice that they're giving up to the vaccination and to the government because they're never going to get out of this. And these people feed off of the fear. They feed off of being able to tell you that you're a bad person because you refuse to wear a face mask. I saw this come out from Cornell University as well. Cornell professor sent out an email requesting help in identifying two students who didn't wear masks. He writes that he will be failing both of them for the semester and that Email reads, uh, hi, y'all. Basically, I wanted to ask for your help in identifying two students who were photographed with their masks off during the Oceans class last Friday. They were sitting next to each other in the balcony's front row seating. One student is a male with red hair and a fairly prominent hooked nose. Like, I feel like this professor is just being petty at this point, just being rude. And apparently they didn't have their face masks on. The other student had the uh, mask on his chin. So this professor is going to ruin their lives and fail them out of university because he's a psychopath cultist and he's mad that these other people refuse to to be a part of the cult as well now luckily not everyone is wanting to be a part of this cult and we are going to see an intense shortage of nurses firefighters and police officers and i was going to play you guys this video and i'm glad that i downloaded it because from the time i pulled it up on twitter this morning to this point now it's about 10 p.m my time same day the account that shared this video has since been permanently suspended. And what was that video? That video was of a nurse who was getting escorted out of her hospital because she refused to get vaccinated. Twitter decided to, to suspend this person's entire account for what I imagine would be sharing this video because it went very viral. Let's watch the clip. I am being escorted out of Kaiser Permanente Hospital for um, my religious beliefs because I don't want to get the jab. And um, I asked all day for someone to explain to me why my sincerely held religious beliefs are not good enough for Kaiser. And no one was able to do that for me. Bye. So now they're escorting me out because I wanted an answer and I'm not leaving without an answer. And I have some nurses here who are standing with me in solidarity and I appreciate that. And I just want all of you to count the cost. So there you guys go. The nurses who were hailed as heroes last year. Remember when everyone was locked into their houses, but we were allowed to have giant parades for nurses and BLM riots and rallies. Yeah. The nurses that were hailed as heroes last year are now being fired because they had the audacity to still put their lives on the line, go to work every single day and care about other people. They have the audacity to want their own bodily autonomy because despite working in the entire pandemic, they survived it. Now they don't want to be vaccinated for a virus with an over 99% survival rate. And it's not just nurses either. From the Daily Mail, New York City begs for volunteer firefighters from Long Island and upstate New York is close to one third of FDNY staff remain unvaccinated ahead of November 1st deadline, 26 firehouses closed. New York City has issued a statewide call for volunteer firefighters from areas such as Long Island and upstate New York. The shortage in 
FDNY firefighters is due to the vaccine mandates enforced by Mayor Bill de Blasio requiring all city workers to receive at least one dose by November 1st. The announcement was written via email and sent to nearly 350 potential volunteers. A total of 26 New York firehouses have been forced to close after firefighters firefighters refused to get vaccinated ahead of that Friday deadline. They closed, of course, due to no manpower, include six in Manhattan, nine in Brooklyn, three in Queens, four in the Bronx, and four in Staten Island. And of course, de Blasio said, oh, well, these effects and closures could endanger the lives of city residents. Okay, well, then de Blasio, this is on you. And a lot of liberals right now on Twitter are trying to say, let's be clear, firehouses are closed, not because of the mandate. They are closed because of people who are refusing to protect themselves, their families, their colleagues, and the public by getting a safe and effective vaccine. And this comes from a New York City council member. F you, bro. These people put their life on the line every single day. And yeah, the firehouses are closed because of the mandate one, because of Bill de Blasio, because you guys are draconian dictators. And yeah, let's go ahead and fault the firefighters who run into burning buildings to go save other people and say it's their fault and they're the ones endangering public health and safety. No, it is the government and it's absolutely disgusting that this council member feels like he can come forward and try to blame the firefighters for this because they have the audacity to want bodily autonomy. On top of that, we have an LA County Sheriff warning that vaccine mandates are going to be causing a mass exodus among personnel. I've talked to an LAPD officer on my previous show, and she was telling me the bullying and harassment that officers in Los Angeles are coming under because they refuse to get vaccinated. And a lot of them are going to walk off the job. They're not going to get it. And NYPD, um, they had a huge line at their station of officers lined up to go out sick tomorrow as the deadline for the vaccination neared. And as you guys can see in this photo, if you're a podcast listener, I'm showing this image from the New York Police Department precinct. And there is this long line of officers who are ready to go out sick because they are not getting that vaccination. A reminder, this is not because of the pandemic. It is not because of the people, it is because of government-imposed mandates. The government is doing this, and it will be the government's fault when structurally everything implodes in our entire country. Remember those airline protests that we were having a couple weeks back? Well, they're still going on as well. American Airlines this past weekend canceled more than 1,000 flights since Friday, citing staffing problems and high winds. Of course, they have to throw in there that it's uh, just some severe weather problems when in reality we have southwest pilots we have american airlines pilots delta airline pilots saying we're not doing this we're not being forced to get a vaccination we refuse and now they're having to cancel these flights the police precincts across the nation are going to be severely understaffed we have firehouses closing in new york and we had a Southwest pilot this past weekend as well uh, sign off basically when they landed the plane and said, let's go, Brandon. And of course, the left freaked out about this. And um, blue check mark Asha Rangappa, who always has the best take. She's a former FBI special agent and a CNN analyst. She says, as an experiment, I'd love for a Southwest airline pilot to say long live ISIS before taking off. My guess is that the plane would be immediately grounded. The pilot fired in a statement issued by the airline within a matter of hours because we are now equating saying, let's go, Brandon, to long live ISIS. When I tell you that these people are absolutely insane, and it's so funny, too, to read 
all of the outrage over the Let's Go Brandon nonsense. People are equating it to terrorism. This is another leftist tweet. A Southwest Airline pilot said, Let's Go Brandon on the airplane's public speaker. Very unsettling to have a MAGA lunatic flying an aircraft with people's lives at stake. A pilot cursing the president of the United States is borderline terrorism. Southwest, please fire this man. Now, this is from Defiant Ls, who puts this tweet right up next to one of their tweets from a year ago that says, can I get an F Donald Trump? So this same person says that cursing the president is borderline terrorism, and he has been accused and seen doing the exact same thing. Also, let's not forget all of these celebrities that said they wanted to, Madonna, I want to blow up the White House. Robert De Niro has threatened Donald Trump. Kathy Griffin held up Donald Trump's severed head. They were holding plays in New York where they assassinated Donald Trump. No one gave a damn about that then, but now apparently it's just domestic terrorism if you say anything bad about the president. Oh, so awful that these poor people on Southwest flights had to hear, let's go, Brandon. Yeah, that's essentially a terroristic threat at this point. I'm surprised everyone on that plane didn't just spontaneously combust from fear. Absolutely ridiculous. It's not just the nurses, the firefighters, the police officers that are pushing back. We also have some big names as well. We saw Nicki Minaj come out against the vaccine um, mandate somewhat, and Ice Cube is doing the same. Ice Cube will no longer star in Oh Hell No for Sony after declining a request from producers to get the COVID-19 vaccine. He was set to be paid $9 million. So there we go. The man can't be bought, and he's uh, putting that aside to stand his ground. And we also have a lot of those NBA players as well, like Jonathan Isaac, Kyrie Irving, who are standing their ground as well. And why is it important that we stand our ground on these things? Why is it important that we don't just capitulate, that we don't just uh, bend the knee and say, okay, we'll just get the vaccine so we can live an easier life? Well, look at this picture here. It's a digital driver's license from Utah. And uh, some of the things that will be tracked or can be added with this digital driver's license is your vaccine record, your health record, your financial record, and your social credit score. Very interesting. There was an episode of Black Mirror where everyone had a social credit score and you could give people points or take people's points away. And that's actually a real system that has been implemented in China. On my last show, I played how the creator of that system was saying that he hopes for it to be adopted globally because he stated if it was adopted. If they did have social credit scoring, then they would have been able to see the yellow vest protest before they ever popped off. And they would be able to see any anti-government protests before anything happened. And then they could stop it. So now we're seeing Utah driver's license. You can uh, get this digital driver's license and it'll show your vaccine record and your social credit score. Everything's going to be digital. The government is going to be tracking everybody and they're going to make it impossible for us to I mean, they're trying to make it impossible for us right now to live apart from the government reach. So that's what's currently going on. Things that were once a crazy conspiracy theory all seem to have been coming true now. And um, it's absolutely ridiculous. Take back your freedoms. Take back your rights. I can't reiterate this enough. I don't want to live in an America where Americans forget what freedom means and they forget that we hold the power and that we, the people, are the ones in charge. We, for so long, have been afraid of our government officials, but in reality, those government officials should be afraid of us. 
We should not be having this digital passport imposed on us. Honestly, when I go to a restaurant, I specifically ask for a paper menu because I don't even like using my phone for the digital menu. And why is that? Because I honestly feel like that in itself is another way that society and our entire culture is making us more attached to our phones. They're making it impossible for us to detach from our technology. It's such a a vibrant and big part of every single moment of our lives, but don't allow it to be. Don't allow the government to come in and take away your privacy and take away your rights and your freedoms and track whether or not you've been vaccinated via your phone, via your digital driver's license. Do not allow them to social credit score you. That is absolutely ridiculous. Remember that you hold the power in society and things are going to get tough and society is going to be difficult, more and more difficult for us to be a part of every single day as they continue to implement this digital dystopian nightmare on all of us. But we need to remember to push back and um, we can do things as simple as not wearing a face mask. I'm a failure in that. I'm very honest and transparent with you guys when I say that I wore a face mask today to get my eye appointment. I've literally felt disgusting all day about it because it was like, you know what? It was I, I feel like I chose the, what's the word that I'm looking for right now? Not the easiness, the the ability, yeah, to be a part of society, the simplicity of, you know, just putting the face mask on over my freedom. And that's just a really awful feeling. And I don't want the average American to even feel like they have to make that choice. So that's all I got for you on this episode of Rapid Fire. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Remember to go check out organicdarlings.com. Use code DARLINGSAV to let Emily know that I sent you. One of my favorite products is the deodorant cream from over there. It's all natural. A lot of deodorants have parabens and fragrances and dyes and a lot of things that are very bad for you to put on your skin. So go check out a lot of these products. They're amazing for you. They're all natural. They are American made. And uh, we love supporting American businesses, don't we guys? So go check that out. Also, please remember to follow me on locals, savsays.locals.com. If you'd like to support me in another way, locals is a great way to do that. And also remember that you can go check out my website, savsaysofficial.com for all of my podcasts, videos that may be censored here on YouTube and um, all of my other work. So thank you so much for tuning in and I'll see you guys next time.